We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. We're doing a bit of an emergency podcast. I guess we'll call it the emergency pod. Quick reaction to Big Giants decision, I think at least. The decision to release starting right guard over the last two seasons, Kevin Zeitler. Arguably, at least if you're going for sure, it is off of their 2019 and 2020 season. So if you're factoring both of the last two years, he's been their best offensive lineman for sure. If you're just factoring 2020, you can make a case he was their best, second best offensive lineman, one of the two. As far as a consistency standpoint goes, I understand being the best on the Giants offensive line isn't ultimately that big of a prize. You don't ultimately deserve that big of a prize for it. But at the same time, the Giants need offensive linemen. Every football team needs an offensive line to compete in the NFL. I like to always equate it to the bullpen. You just have absolutely no chance to win in the NFL without it. I think we saw the best example of that in the Super Bowl with the Chiefs against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Nick, what's your initial reaction to the decision to release Kevin Zeitler? And let the listeners know how much the cap space the Giants created in the short term by making this decision. Yeah, it looks like they freed up $12 million. I initially tweeted out 10 because I went off uh, Ian Rappaport's uh, report about it, but it seems like after I went and read a couple of the beat reporters that I respect that they're going to free up $12 million in cap, which is obviously very advantageous for the Giants' possibility of going to pursue someone like Kenny Galladay and possibly retain someone like Dalvin Tomlinson, which is excellent. It's something that I feel like I expected to happen. We heard about a week, week and a half ago that the Giants were attempting to move him, but NFL teams are savvy. They know when teams are trying to move players or probably can get them on free agency at a much more reduced price. So I think the writing was on the wall, especially since there's no long-term contract for Leonard Williams right now. It's just a franchise tag and the Giants need to get under or back a positive of the cap and be able to afford 
Leonard Williams on the franchise tag if they don't come to a deal by March 17th, which is a week from now. So it, it was a writing on the wall, I think, kind of moving. It sucks because we both are big Kevin Zeitler fans on and off the field, but the Giants just lost their most experienced and probably the most consistent lineman other than maybe Nick Gates from last season. Yeah, without a doubt. And just looking at the roster as it stands right now, with the extension to Graham Gano in the offseason, with Logan Ryan's extension, those are both new. The deals that you would be able, if you wanted to, so the salary cap, here's how it works. The Giants were obviously over the cap by tagging Leonard Williams, but it didn't matter until the new league year starts. So being over the cap means nothing now until the new league year starts on March 14th. However, having said that, they had to get under by the start of the new league year. Here were their options. To release Kevin Zeitler was one option. Cutting Nate Solder would have created $6 million in cap space. Not so sure that would have gotten them under. It would have gotten them close. Other options would have been push some of the dead cap hit um, on Graham Gano's contract back, but then you're banking on a pretty old kicker to be there for to be consistent for years down the line into his deal. Same deal for somebody like Logan Ryan. You could have maneuvered a little bit with that cap hit. But at the same time, because right now, for example, Logan Ryan has a $7 million cap hit for the 2021 season with $10 million in dead cap if they were releasing, which they wouldn't. So it's not really like that deal was structured in a way where the Giants could have created more cap space now for uh, by dipping into future years. The best options they would have had, and they were limited in this regard, would have been to restructure, potentially extend to Sterling Shepard, and that's obviously risky giving Shepard's concussion history and his age and injury history in general. He's had two injuries. He's had plenty of injuries. Or obviously Blake Martinez and James Bradbury. Now, Bradbury's would have been tougher to do because Bradbury's, as people have mentioned and they're correct in mentioning this, Bradbury's agent probably wants him to get to hit the market again in a couple years. Blake Martinez, that's not the case. If the Giants approached Blake Martinez about extending and restructuring, he would take it in my opinion because he's a different breed. I mean, he did not hit the market with all that much interest last year with the exception of the Giants who found a really nice fit for him within their system. Having said that, Blake Martinez is coming off the best season of his career. So if you try to extend and restructure any of these types of players now, Martinez or Bradbury, their value, their market value is higher and the Giants will have to ultimately pay them more money. So those aren't really great options either. So I do understand this release from the standpoint of they do need to figure out how to create cap space now. And it's crazy because if you look just to next year, Nick, just to next year in 2022, the Giants are currently projected to have 82 million in cap space in 2022. And people say, but wait, don't they need to re-sign players and, ex- and allocate cap there? Sure, some players, not that many. But also, guess what? That cap number, that 82 million, includes a $18 million cap hit for Nate Solder, which is obviously not going to be on the books. There may be a remainder of $4 million in dead cap next year, so that will be you can add 14 million onto that so it'll be up to 95 million then it also includes players like um let's take a look here uh who might not be on there riley dixon a 3.4 million dollar cap hit who the hell is going to keep riley dixon on the roster for 3.4 he's not even one of the i don't even think he's one of the 20 best punters in the nfl i think he's one of the five worst i think riley dixon was horrific in 2020 from what i saw just a really bad punter i know his total averages look okay but his coffin corner type punts and when you needed him to make a big punt in a key situation they were not good not good at all so that they'll get another four million or three and a half million back on the cap there um and then basically with the exception of solder coming off the books and riley dixon coming off the books there's not much else there to really gain back from releases in the cap space but even so that puts them around 95 million in cap space for 2022 the 2023 picture looks even more clear i mean they have almost nobody on the books 
of any consequence with the exception of Logan Ryan. Um, obviously, then Bradbury and Martinez are coming off the books. Shepard's still on the books for 2023, but you can save all but $2 million in dead cap by releasing him. So really, and, and even the same goes for Graham Cano. You can save all but 750 k by releasing him from his $4.5 million cap in 2023. So the future cap situation here is really bright. They're really in a healthy spot. But like Nick said, they needed to find a way to create cap space now. And the options were actually limited based on what they've done with this roster over the Gettleman years. So it, it seems like a move that actually had to be done just from the, the financial standpoint somehow. It sucks. It does. And, uh, I mean, you've tweeted about it, too, and what this may mean for the Giants heading into 2021. But I wanted to kind of circle back to something you were talking about. Giants may have a lot of cap space in 2022, which is going to be excellent. And I'm trying to look at Giants free agents, Giants players that will be free agents in 2022, and who would the Giants actually entertain bringing back. Now, Joe Judge spoke high of Evan Ingram, but I'm still not convinced that he's a long-term fixture here in New York. But the two players that really do come to my mind would be Jabril Peppers and Leonard Williams. But even with deals that extend four or five years for these players, and five might be a little aggressive, it's probably going to be a little bit more like four because these guys are going to want another bite at that proverbial apple like we talk about in free agency. The Giants are going to be set next year, man. They're going to have cap space. And I don't think, and I really don't believe... They're going to go and give Saquon Barkley and extend him like the Rams did with Todd Gurley, which proved to be a disaster, and what the Cowboys did with Ezekiel Elliott, which also proved is proving to be a disaster. Every single running back contract extension is proving to be a disaster. You can even argue the case that immediately the Panthers' decision to extend Christian Caffrey was a disaster. He missed almost the entire season, as running backs tend to do at times, get injured. And, like, it just—we'll get to that another time. We don't need to dive deep in that. But really, you're right. I mean, dive back into it. Besides those two, you mean B.J. Hill— Will Hernandez, I mean, some of that 2018 class, of course. Yeah, Lorenzo Carter, but I mean, we just, it's up in the air right now yeah. what he's even going to be coming off of his Achilles injury, but there's not a lot of, and that's an issue too. Like, we're speaking like it's a positive, Dan, but that's an issue because the Giants haven't drafted enough players to retain and carry over to the second contract. Now, you can look yes. around the league and you see other teams, they, they sign a lot of the guys, they draft the second contracts, and I feel like it's been over a decade now where it's rare the Giants ever do that. Yeah, general NFL roster building rule that's pretty tried and true. Things change over time in the NFL as far as roster building, as far as all those things. But it's pretty tried and true that the good teams are the ones that sign that have the opportunity because they're playing so well and because their future projects so well to sign the rookies they draft to second contracts. The teams that don't have that opportunity because they're not playing so well. And it remains to be seen with players like Hernandez and Carter and B.J. Hill. They still have an opportunity to earn a second contract this season, depending on Inks fall. I guess you can put Evan Ingram into that bucket as well. I wouldn't, but you could. But those teams that don't have that opportunity are usually the bad teams. Those are the teams that can't dig themselves out of these these you know 15-win-in-three-season type holes that the Giants are on. They're averaging five wins a season. It's unbelievable at this point. And to dig out of that hole, you need to be able to sign rookies second deals. And we hope that they've made some good changes in their process leading to the better 2021 draft. All things said, but like you said, if you're just looking at it right now on paper, they're going to be in a really healthy cap spot from the standpoint that they don't really have too many of their own to re-sign with the exception of Drupal Peppers next offseason. And Leonard Williams. Well, he'll probably be done this offseason, yeah, yeah. I would assume. We would hope, yes, because I, I, I don't want Leonard Williams playing on a tag again. That's, that's a hefty number, but at the same time, what is he asking for? Is he asking for twenty million a year? Like he's that's, asking for a lot. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's gonna. I mean, obviously they can uh, structure it how they would like to possibly give us uh, or leave some 
cap space for now, but that's a lot of money, man, and that's something that we've kind of talked about over the last couple of weeks as well to allocate to Leonard Williams coming off of a career year, of course. Yeah, and it, if you look at it, part of the reason they were in this position today where they had to do this rapid-fire kind of fire-sale type move with Kevin Zeitler to get under the cap, and now there may be other reasons they released Zeitler that I want to get to and get your opinion on soon, shortly, but part of the reason is because they needed to clear, what was it, 8, 9, 10 million cap space, and they're allocating 10 million of their cap space to dead cap, $4.7 million of their of their 182.5 million, that's what it's projected to be, is headed to Golden Tate on dead cap. Another $2.8 million allocated to DeAndre Baker dead cap, and now obviously $2.5 million dead cap with Zeitler, and then a really small hit for Ryan Connolly. But I mean, between Baker and Tate, and Zeitler even combined, that's a lot That's a lot of dead cap. And I mean, it's not as much as it has been. There's been some real, I mean, Dave's year, when he, the year he traded uh, OBJ and Vernon, that, the dead cap on that year was like in the $30 million. Um, so it's kind of been a consistent thing with Gettleman's, Gettleman's management, Gettleman's roster. There's been a lot of dead cap. They haven't been able to get quite from out under. I thought this was actually going to be the year they might have no dead cap allocating, you know, accounting for some of their overall cap, but it's not going to be this year. Next year will be better in that regard unless they make Nate Solder a post-June 1 cut, which remains to be seen. Yeah, and I mean, I, I don't envision Nate Solder kind of being on the roster uh, come September or August, to be honest. I, I guess that's up in the air right now if the Giants are going to cut him this week. Hopefully they don't cut him right after we're done recording this podcast, but they could also just cut him uh, post-June and then use that money to sign the rookie class and kind of go into the offseason like that. Yeah, no doubt about it. Now I want to ask you about something else because I've been thinking about this decision to cut Zeitler a little bit more. And I want to ask you, in my mind, I think part of the reason they made this decision to cut Zeitler is that the Giants are looking for a specific type at offensive guard. I always thought when Zeitler came over that he was more of a zone blocking fit, uh, more of a fit for a zone blocking scheme. I think that you didn't really see too many examples. You saw some, but you didn't see too many examples of him pulling last year despite the Giants moving to that predominantly power gap scheme. I know he played in somewhat of a power gap scheme at Wisconsin, but with the Browns and with the Bengals, he was playing in more of a zone scheme at times, and I just think his skill set is better fit for that. Do you think part of the reason they moved on from Zeitler is that they're looking for another Lemieux type to fit in at guard? I think it's more so business, to be honest, and kind of comes from the New England school of thought. Kevin Zeitler's 31 years old, so he's getting older right now, Let's not extend him, and let's just cut bait, save the money on the cap. It's not an ideal situation, but at the end of the day, we need to get our cap number to a legal number, and Kevin Zeitler was the casualty to that. I'm not sure if it does necessarily... I don't think it has really much to do with scheme per se. I I kind of agree. I think he is more, quote-unquote, meant for zone type of schemes, but... He was fine in the power gap when they asked him to pull as well. I don't, I don't know if he was as, I don't know if he's as, I guess you could say, strong at the point of attack, drive, drive you vertical type of offensive guard, although he has done that, but he was just always in great position as an offensive guard. I don't necessarily look at it from a scheme perspective. I think it's just more business. Yeah, that's interesting. So you don't think that the next guard they try to get there in there, because I mean, you can only hope that they're not going to log into 2021 with... Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez are the only guards on the roster, plus some like lame ass day three pick or some UDFA they've been grooming. You're gonna, but as they look to upgrade and add another guard, which again I hope they do, you don't think it's gonna try to be more in the mold of a Shane Lemieux type? I mean, it easily could be, but I mean, but that won't be a preference, you don't think? Well, I think they want somebody who can drive players vertically and 
Kevin Zeitler, I mean, he wasn't known for that, but it's not like. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He couldn't do it either. Mm -hmm. Like Kevin Zeitler could play in this scheme, even though he, like you said, back in college, he did at Wisconsin. But he did a little bit more of inside zone, outside zone, stretch zone with the Bengals and with the Browns back in his time there. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess you could say they would go for someone like Shane Lemieux, but I, I don't really even know what that means. Meaning a guard who it profiles more like a Lemieux than Hernandez. He can pull. He's good on pulls. He's kind of that yeah, but body Zeit, type. Yeah, Zeitler's that too. Yeah, I mean, not saying Zeitler wasn't that, but I was just curious if maybe this was schematic base if some of this of if some of the fit for the scheme played into this decision I, i'm not saying it did just something i was considering when uh they made the decision early like any good team hiring the right employees for your front office is just as important as recruiting the best players for the game that's why you need indeed indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one two three post screen and interview all on indeed Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com BlueWire. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com BlueWire. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, before we get started, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with BlueWire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports podcasting experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more but that's bwhustle.com slash join 
system. Now, another thing I would touch on here would be the fact that the Giants do have an opportunity, potentially, to turn this into a win. I think this decision to cut Kevin Zeitler could be a win overall if and only if they use a decent, a mid-to-major sized asset on the offensive line. Now, that may either be one of their two day two picks, one of their day one picks, round one, two, or three, or a veteran guard on the free agent market. Say they are able to sign a veteran guard on the free agent market for half the price of Zeitler, which is definitely in play. I think you can then look at that as an overall win. So here are some of the guards that intrigue me that could become options. Let's take a look. Joe Thune, not intriguing to me. I think you'd have to pay him a crazy amount of money the Giants can't afford. I'm not in on Gabe Jackson. I don't like the fit, and I don't like the age. I don't like bringing him into this offense. I am definitely a little bit intrigued by Richie Incognito. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I'm definitely a little intrigued by Richie Incognito, especially because he's really good. Like, when you watch him play football and you see some of the cut-ups that people do of Richie Incognito, he's still one of the best run-blocking guards in the NFL, despite the fact that, and this was crazy to me, He's 38 years old. I didn't even know it was pot. I had to like look this up, double check this with multiple sources. I could not even believe that Richie Incognito was 38 years old. I guess that would be somewhat of a drawback to some extent, but I think right now you might have to look for a stopgap solution. The Giants literally can't afford to just go the young route at, at guard, right tackle, and, and at left guard, right guard, and right tackle and expect to not have an atrocious offensive line because they're just putting way too many variables into play there with young guys. So I hope they have something in mind. But then there's also potential for players to be cut. So who intrigues you from that market, from potential players who can be cut and fit in nicely at guard? Or do any of the guys I mentioned, or anyone else, like a James Carpenter, a J.R. Sweezy, anything like that intrigue you um, as a replacement in some ways and also just an upgrade at the guard position? Yeah, I wouldn't be averse to Gabe Jackson. But again, it's going to all come down to money. We just released Kevin Zeitler because of money. So how much is someone like Gabe Jackson, who's 30, how much is he going to want? Then you look at Richie Incognito. He might be more uh, open to signing a small deal, but would Joe Judge want to bring Richie Incognito into his stat or onto his team? Because Richie Incognito does have some baggage that comes along with him, but Incognito definitely intrigues me. Jackson, to a little bit of a smaller extent, but he used to be a, one of the best guards in football, kind of had a step back year, but still didn't surrender a sack this past season for the Raiders. Played over 1,000 snaps and was consistent for them. On the offensive line, he's going to hit free agency, it does appear. He obviously was not franchise tagged. And I look at some of these other guys, none of them really jump out at me. I mean, Mikey Upata, he retired. He's on the list, but he retired. I think we brought up Forrest Lamp. That guy can never stay healthy, but he was a— I would love to take a swing on a Forrest Lamp type, to be honest with you, at 27 years old. Twenty, Yeah, he's still young, man, 27 years old, and he just couldn't get a break— in terms of just getting injured yeah That's, the injuries could honestly also have sapped his potential uh, the potential of him becoming a good offensive lineman like that literally happens for some of these guys if they get reoccurring injuries for three four years in a row there's never the same player you saw on film because like coming out i don't know how you felt about him but i liked him a lot entering the draft yeah i liked him as well but the one name that does uh and i talked about this with chris and joe on, on big blue views podcast dj fluker bringing him back to the giants he actually started this past year for the Ravens. A lot of power gap, a lot of quarterback uh, designed runs where he has to kick out into space. And he's a gigantic, massive human being. Mm-hmm. And he could be the down blocker to, to pave the way that way. He Ideally, you'd want Shane Lemieux to pull, but he can pull for mm-hmm. a bigger guy. I mean, he's not the most fleet of foot because he is a little bit big. But if he's open to coming back to New York, he's somebody I think I would entertain. 
I'd entertain it for sure. I mean, you're going to have to entertain all of these guys. They can't yeah. just walk into this season with Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez as their potential guards. They have to entertain all of these. I would consider someone like Fluker a downgrade from Seitler, unfortunately. And I'm just not... It is what it is at this point. Like, most of the options the Giants are going to have this offseason are going to be slight downgrades to what Kevin Seitler gave them. Unless, of course, they go out and draft a Rashawn Slater. Or if they draft somebody else in round two who can either play guard or tackle. And then you... You hope you can maybe do something like kick a parrot inside. I don't know. I mean, there's options there. You have him compete with Hernandez maybe on that right guard spot. It's going to be interesting, too, because Hernandez has played left guard his whole career. And Shane Lemieux played left guard his whole time at Oregon, plus his first season with the Giants. So even that in itself is asking a lot to ask one of those two to kick over to the right side. It's not some kind of seamless transition you can hope for, in my, in my opinion. And it's adding more risk and variance to the whole situation. It absolutely is. And then you got to look at the draft. I mean, you got guys, if you're going to talk about first round trade down, something you and I both aren't all that optimistic about, someone like Elijah Vera Tucker, if they stay at 11, you've brought up his name, Rashawn Slater. I mean, I would want him to play tackle, to be honest, because, man, that guy, just from the clips I've seen, again, haven't gotten into his film, but from the clips I've seen, that guy can move, man. That guy can move. He's a very, very intriguing dude. Yeah. But I like the center from Alabama, and I think he can play guard. Landon Dickerson brought him up on a podcasts in the past covering from an ACL injury but he seems like the kind of guy that Joe Judge would love obviously the tie with Alabama is huge but he's also just an incredibly influential person within Alabama's locker room think about all the alpha males there and this guy was one of the most revered players there so I I would love to add that not to mention he's also just a boss on the field and I'd say this about Dickerson I think there's also the opportunity to potentially grab him a little bit later than a lot of the other guys we're going to talk about. I don't know if he'll make it all the way to that early day four, uh, day three pick, but back end day day two with their third round pick, he could easily land there just because of the uncertainty of the offseason regarding players who are injured um, without the full combine to get the medicals on these guys. And those things are going to lead to some slides here. And so I love, I mean, the Cowboys took advantage of that last draft during the 2020 draft when they selected Tyler Baddish in the fourth round. The guy had first round tape in 2019 or I'm sorry, 2018, 2019, he played through the injuries. The medicals were unknown. Everything was kind of unknown with the weird COVID offseason. And he slid all the way to the fourth round and then looked great for the Cowboys in year one. I mean, he wasn't knockout top five center immediately in the NFL, but he was looking like a legit starter right away. And you rarely find that in the fourth round. And I know, you know, Shane Lemieux played a lot of snaps for the Giants, but Shane Lemieux had a whole lot more bad snaps on tape a whole lot more, specifically in pass production, than Tyler Biotish gave the Cowboys, and they were drafted in a similar range, a day three range. So somebody like Dickerson intrigues me just from the standpoint of that you might be able to get value due to the injury slide. Yeah, and uh, I'm not going to lie, though. I mean, everyone builds Trey Smith up because he was, like, the number one ranked recruit with right. Jalen Phillips back in 2017, the kid out of Tennessee. I don't, I'm don't. i not that interested in him, honestly. I feel like his he fits what you would think, oh, yeah, power gap, you know, right. vertical displacement, a lot of power at the point of attack, drive off the line of scrimmage. All those things are correct, but, man, his balance and just his operation in space really, really concerns me. He just found his way on the ground way too much. He's powerful, I'll give him that, but people are talking about him in, like, round two. I that's way too aggressive for me. You got to trust your eyes, Nick. You ha- you're doing the work. You're putting the work in, and you see a guy on film, and you see those types of things, balance issues, being on the ground too much. The last thing you ever want to see from an offensive lineman, to be honest. And that's somebody that obviously gets red flags, deservingly gets red flags from you. So, yeah, for sure, I can understand that. I also think there's going to be some intriguing options for the Giants to replace Kevin Zeitler in free agency once players are cut. I think there's a chance Daryl Williams, former Dave Gettleman draft pick, who's kind of played both tackle and guard and can play both tackle and guard. 
can potentially move into the offensive guard role for the Giants and be signed for cheaper in free agency. And this also plays into the potential of, hey, let's say the Giants do strike out on Kenny Galladay and don't go crazy on any free agents. Well, maybe they get a comp pick out of losing a player like Dalvin Tomlinson, actually ultimately plays out because I think the Giants will still be somewhat aggressive this year in free agency and ultimately get no comp picks next year like they didn't get this offseason. But it's just another reason to potentially pursue players who are cut rather than players who hit free agency naturally. And then there's also a few other guys, Trey Turner, another former Dave Gettleman draft pick. He was released by a team that doesn't have offensive linemen to, doesn't really have the luxury to be releasing offensive linemen, the Chargers. So that definitely concerns me. But just two or three years ago, he was viewed as one of the better guards in the NFL. So I think from that standpoint, he's also another intriguing player who could be released and could be signed for cheap by the Giants. So there are going to be options. Guard is not the worst position to need. It's much better. It's much better to need a guard than to need a tackle. But I think for me, the ultimate overall overarching point is they need, not want, need to upgrade the offensive line, whether that be offensive tackle, offensive guard, whether that be day one or two in the draft, whether that be free agency. It can't just be we punt it. We take one on day three and we hope for the best with our development because you're setting yourself up for disaster if you walk into that season with Parrott, Lemieux, and Hernandez as three or five starters. It's possible there are range, there's a range of outcomes where that works out amazing. Parrott gets amazing. You know, Lemieux takes a huge jump and Hernandez bounces back to his rookie season form. Well, now you nailed it for cheap. That is a scenario that could play out, Nick, but it's not the likeliest scenario and you can't just bank on the full ceiling upside scenario, I don't think. Let's play this game then, Dan, before we get out of here. Who's going to be the right guard, would you think, if we don't add anybody? Do you think they're going to kick Will Hernandez over there and say, hey, look, you have more reps at this position? Shane Lemieux, I want to say, only played left guard and uh, at Oregon. I don't think he played anywhere else. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure he only played left guard. And right next to Penny Sewell, too. Talk about a great position to be in. If, I'm, if I had to make that choice, I, I guess it would be Will Hernandez, right? Uh, it's tough for me just because I feel like both of them are so well-versed at left guard that it's a huge risk. It's better, obviously, I mean, I'm sure you'll agree with this. You're asking less of a guard to kick to the opposite side than a tackle, correct? Yeah, I mean, I would imagine. It's still yeah. like using different hands, though. It's different still different, sets, yeah. yeah. But you're not out on an island. You're not right. out in space, and right. those things are very, very important. Right. Though, <laughs> kicking over the right side is going to be more difficult for either of them because they're going to have to play next to Parrot versus Thomas. I think it's pretty clear to say Thomas is not only a better prospect, but as of now, a better tackle legitimately on the field. Now, hopefully, I mean, there was some credence given to the fact that maybe Parrott looked struggled down the stretch because he was dealing with COVID after effects. I can only hope that's true because it looks like they're decently confident to roll into next season with Parrott as their starter. I mean, this line right now, I mean, it's not just guard, it's tackle. Like, I don't know what's going on, what the plan is. I hope there is a I, I think there will be. I mean, ultimately, I can't imagine the Giants are going to roll into the season without making another major upgrade on the line. I, I couldn't imagine it. Nah, yeah, I kind of agree with you, to be honest. I just don't know where that's going to come from. Right. I mean, could it be in free agency? It's unlikely to make a huge splash there. Could you add someone like a fluker? Yes, I actually do think that would help, just bringing some more bodies, especially veteran yes. bodies. Not to revisit the Kim Jones, Dave Gettleman thing, Dan, <laughs> <laughs> but... I mean, there's a lot of young guys on this line right now, especially now that Kevin Zeitler is gone with Nick Gates, with Shane Lemieux, with Matt Pear, and with Andrew Thomas as the starters. That's that's a very, very young group of of guys who are inexperienced, and you ask Daniel Jones to go into his third year, and this is, let's be honest, the make-it-or-break-it year for Daniel Jones as a professional starting quarterback in the league, especially for the Giants. I mean, it doesn't really give you that 
that warm and fuzzy feeling going into 2021 with, with with all that youth. And, I mean, you saw, I guess you could say, developments down the stretch of last season that these guys were starting to get it and things were starting to click. But for me, it's still I'm still a little hesitant. So am I. I mean, as you know very well, I'll reiterate it. I don't care. It needs to be reiterated. The offensive line to me is just like the bullpen in baseball. And as you see, these wise teams in baseball, the Yankees, the Dodgers, obviously they have the resources to do it. But even the teams that are coming up with a little less money to spend on, on their payroll, like the Mets and other, and it's not just these teams. There's plenty of teams who are using the strategy, are loading up in the bullpen because they know you can never have too much depth in the bullpen. You can never have too much talent and you can never have too much competition. And that's the same thing to me with the offensive line, because it's not like a want here. The Giants want a receiver, right? But they, in my mind, can get away, even with an Austin Mack out there. I really do believe that. I like what I saw from a guy like Mack. The Giants want another running back to spell Barkley, but they can get away with a Wayne Gallman or a Deion Lewis or whatever you end up signing. The Giants want another corner, but they can get away with Julian Love. You cannot get away with bad offensive line play. You can't do it. You have no chance. The Chiefs had no chance to win the Super Bowl with a fully healthy Travis Kelsey, a fully healthy Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards-Alaire back in the mix, Patrick Mahomes on painkillers and looking mostly healthy. They had no chance to even come close to winning that game because of the offensive line. And right now, the O-line, as it projects right now, has Matt Parrott starting at one position, Shane Lemieux starting at another, and Will Hernandez starting at another. And that's also assuming that Nick Gates, and I have full faith that he will, will be able to continue to keep it up and will have no kind of sophomore slump or in the center position. I know he's not a sophomore, but, you know, take a step back in any regard or that Andrew Thomas will kind of just build off of his second half rather than have any more games like that Cardinals game in the second half, which is not great by him. And so you really don't have any, it's not like, this is not, anything to mess around with this is the to me it once again has somehow become the giant's biggest need for me it really has like yeah i want an edge besides maybe edge because they have no depth there but even that but none of it is going to work if they don't have an offensive line literally none of the offense will work in my mind especially when you look at some of these guys who are going to be around and even the first round with Rashawn slater tevin jenkins Christian Derisaw, players like that, maybe a little bit later in that second round range. You got someone like Samuel Cosme. I haven't gotten his film yet. I'm not as high on Dillard Reduns as a lot of people. I, I hear a lot of people throwing mm. his name as a first round pick. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I haven't gotten a Jalen Mayfield's film yet, but I know he's like a redshirt sophomore. It just doesn't sound like a Dave Gettleman type of guy. And then Liam Eikenberg, I've watched some of his film, did a little evaluation on him a couple months ago. I think he could be a solid right tackle in the NFL. I'm not sure if he would be there in the second round. It would be too rich to spend on the 11th pick on someone like Eichenberg. Yeah, for sure. I'll tell you what, though. I'm starting to – I haven't gotten to him yet, and I know we're going to eventually do a podcast, so I'll save most of my time that I'm going to spend evaluating him for that. But I'm starting to see some clips surface on Rashawn Slater on Twitter from some guys I love. John Ledger's put out some a couple really good film clips on him. I'm starting to get some Tristan Wirth vibes from Rashawn Slater. I have to be completely honest with you. They're not completely the same by any means. I think Slater is actually a better athlete to some extent but he may not be as strong. I mean, Worse was just so strong. He was a state wrestling champion, but Slater himself is strong as well. But the way he moves, man, he is an athlete. You put him on your offensive line, you're getting one of the best athletes on the field on that offensive line. There's a play where he sealed off a second-level defender that to open up a run play where he comes from across the formation to seal him off. It's really just textbook-type stuff. That It's not just textbook stuff. It's stuff that literally you need to be an elite athlete playing the offensive tackle position to be, even be able to do. So... I'm starting to become extremely enthused by the potential of maybe adding him, even though they're going to have so many great options there at 11, it seems. You know what's interesting, though, man? 
the Giants, and just like just overall having experience on the offensive line and having experience at specific position groups, that's very very valuable within an NFL locker room. And you look at this yes. Giants offensive line now. Now that Kevin Zeitler is not there, they don't have that. Will Hernandez is supposed to be that guy in the last year of his rookie contract, but the guy was benched last year, and we can make COVID excuses. Maybe they're valid excuses, but either way, the guy is a fringe starter. There's nobody to like look up to and be like, hey, how do I handle this other than coaches? Now, granted, you know, players play, coaches coach. Joe Judge has alluded to that in the past, but I still think you have to add somebody who's been in the league for several years and who can kind of help bring these younger players along, right? Yeah, no, I think you're 100% right in that regard, and that may point to potential looking to that veteran guard market in free agency or potentially going one more year with Solder as your swing tackle that I don't think that's completely ruled out right now by the Giants that's interesting that's interesting I mean it's definitely I guess you could say an option I don't really envision him being a giant through this season but I, I guess you could say anything's possible especially if he were to restructure yeah, and it kind of just depends on what how Gettleman. From everything Gettleman said, it seems like he does, he's just wants to get rid of these like dead cap hits. So if he's viewing it like that, he might view it as I don't want to cut Zeidler, I don't want to make him a post June one cut, especially because then I have to deal with a bigger dead cap hit next year. I mean, I don't think that should come into play at all. Like I said, the Giants have about eighty million in cap space next year, and that's before Riley Dixon's contract, which better come off the books for three million. <laughs> You're not paying Riley Dixon three million to never get a coffin corner punt once the entire season. I mean, I, I don't know what the Riley Dixon thing is. I'm not going to get into it now. Some people seem to think he's okay. I think he's one of the worst punters I saw last year. I mean, just quite literally, I don't remember one big-time punt from him all year. And trust me, they gave him plenty of opportunities. Joe Judge did a lot of punts from fourth and short in the opponent's <laughs> territory. So I would say the one game he actually, I felt like he was really good, and I highlighted it on Big Blue View, was the one of the Washington games. Okay. He had a huge game there. But oh, other, he did flip the field in that Washington game. I do remember. I think it was yeah, the second Washington game. It, he had that crazy flip the field. Punt. I actually like had him as a, a top performer in the That's game. That's fair. But other than that, yeah, it, it wasn't one of those things that really kind of jumped out. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I remember that game. You flipped the field with a really big time punt um, in a game that ultimately was the same. There, there were a couple punts in that game that he. Yeah, did. yeah. He might have had a really big game. I don't fully remember it. I just do remember some of the bad with him. And either way, three, three million ain't, ain't, ain't going to cut it. He's not worth that. And they'll have to get rid of him next offseason for sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Anyway, I think that's all we got on the offensive line and the Kevin Zeitler decision. We'll take, we're going to see if there's any questions that we missed from the last pod and try to hit it. Um, let's see what we got here. Uh, unnamed Giants fan gives us five stars, which is great. Great pod. I got a suggestion. Hey, guys, I love the pods. These are my favorite Giants-related content. Commenting in part to show some love and in part to leave a suggestion. As you do the draft breakdowns, I think it'd be fun to kind of have a big blue banter, big board, ranking the prospects you've covered in order of preference for the Giants. Thanks again for the great content. That's a great suggestion. That's an amazing suggestion, and I'm pretty sure we're looking to do that, but yeah. we don't want to be premature with it because yes. we haven't gotten – like I haven't watched and broke down like Jalen Waddle's film yet. There's a lot of guys who I feel like I'm going to be intrigued by from what I've seen, but I haven't actually done formal evaluations on. Neither has Dan. So we're probably going to wait. That might be an April thing. Probably yes. going to get through March, get all the film in, and then we'll probably start to finalize something. And we'll probably have some podcasts where we can debate each other and make cases for some players. And, you know, the other one will make cases against them, despite the fact that they actually might value them too. Yeah, no doubt about it. Nick nailed this one on the head. We will be doing that, but it will just come a little bit later in draft season. All right, Barcavio leaves us a four-star review. We don't love the four stars, but we'll take them. 
We want the five. There's no reason not to do the five. He says, uh, Zayvon Collins, it's an interesting listen, but the Giants already have this player and don't need to spend a day one or two draft toys to acquire him again. Lorenzo Carter is this player, both in terms of size, speed, and multiple use within the defense. Cam Brown is this player with height and wingspan and ability to disrupt passing lanes and occasionally blitz. Your thoughts, Nick? My thoughts? I mean, I think Zayvon Collins is a slightly different prospect than both of those players, but I'm not looking to really add Zayvon Collins in the first round. That would definitely have to be a trade back and or possibly second round, I should probably say, because I mean, that's not necessarily somebody that I want to entertain. Now, I think he would fit well with what Patrick Graham wants to do, but the Giants are in no position to add somebody like Zayvon Collins right now. Yeah, I think that Nick nailed this one. I mean, I don't have much else to add. I think agreed. We we are intrigued by by Collins for sure as a prospect overall. That uh, we also agree. There's not they don't really have the luxury to make that type of pick right now. Unless they felt like he could be a really big presence off the edge right away, which I don't know necessarily if they would think that type of thing. It's hard to gauge, but who knows. Um, Longtime Roto says, thank you for adjusting the volume on the ad reads. I think <laughs> I think it was the volume differential more than Nick's voice that was bothering me. Ah, no, nah, it was Nick's voice. Been a long time fan so listener. I appreciate the value add to my fandom with your pods. Based on doing mocks from the Draft Network and Fanspeak, there seems to be a ton of value at 42 for the offensive tackle position. If the Giants go defense at 11, would you prefer an offensive tackle or a second-level receiver? Or I guess he means like a second-tier-ranked-type receiver at 42. See, I would go with someone like Rashad Bateman if he was there at 42. I don't think he'll be there. Run to the podium if Rashad Bateman's at 42. And I don't think Darisol would be there at at 42 either. So we would be looking at the Eichenbergs, maybe Samuel Cosme, the Walker Littles because he hasn't seen the field in so damn long. But uh, I, I might lean towards receiver, but I think it would have to be who's available and how I kind of view these prospects specifically. So I don't want to cop out of the question, but it really would just have to be if it's Nico Collins. Like I, I'm going to pass on Nico Collins and go with Christian Darisol. If Darisol's there, I just don't think that's going to be a likely situation. So it would really come down to the best player available. Yeah, I think Nick nails this one on the head. In general, you're going to hear this. It might sound like a cop out, but we're going to keep saying it over and over because I feel like it is not lost. But I feel like some people still have a different opinion on this. But we're, we're pretty set in our ways. We're never going to be a draft position A, B, C type of advice analysts. That's just not how we view the best strategy for adding roster to a talent and building out a roster. You can't just pigeonhole yourself and saying, I need this position there. Now, having said that, I do kind of agree with you 100%. I think the best value ultimately at 42 will be both, both those two positions, wide receiver and OT. But it kind of just depends who's there at either spot. I mean, just like Nick said, it, there are guys we're going to like a lot more there. There are guys we're going to like a lot less there. Like Nick said, Nico Collins is not someone I would ever want to use 42 on personally. But at the same time, if somebody like Bateman somehow fell or Frondell Moore somehow fell, even to some extent, I really like Elijah Moore. If he's there, then you start to think. But then you flip it back to the other side. You know, do you really like an Alex Leatherwood? What if someone, like Nick was mentioning before, uh, now I'm blanking on who, what if the, the kid from Alabama is there, the, um, the the guard who got the ACL injury? I don't know why we're I'm Dickerson. Blanking. Dickerson. Yeah. What if he's there and the Giants really like him and they don't care about the injury? There's other options there. It depends. It's gonna. It's really just going to depend on our full evaluations of every single player. And by the time we get to the drafts, I think at least through the top 50, we're going to feel super confident about where we stand on every single one of them. And so we'll have a better answer for you later as we go through, and we'll definitely touch back on this for sure. All right, that's all the time we have for questions today. If you do enjoy the Big Blue Banter podcast, please do us a favor. Head over to iTunes, 
hit that rating button give us five stars review throw a review in there and guess what every time you leave a review you have the opportunity to ask us a question that we will answer on the podcast every single time we're just got to all the questions that we see on the latest reviews all you have to do is leave us a question in the review and we'll answer it also more importantly i think than any of this else i'm going to start pushing this at least follow us on instagram at ny big blue banter there's a lot more content going out on our instagram over at ny big blue banter great stuff not only with regards to what shows are coming out and scheduling things of that nature but also just awesome graphics and and things that will get you engaged and get you kind of enjoying talking giants football with us on instagram it's another way also just to to, to reach out to us there and lastly we will be doing live shows, the live Big Blue Banter show, a Q&A with fans, every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Every Tuesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, all you have to do is download the Locker Room app, join the Giants Room. You'll see it right there with my picture, Nick's. Nick's picture on there is much better than mine. i got to fix that. Mine is uh, too far away of a shot. It's me and my brother uh, at Zion. Or I, actually, it was at Bryce, Bryce National Park. Or, Bryce National Park, I'm pretty sure. And then Nick's is just like a cool shot of him with a close-up. He's got like sunglasses on. He's like, I knew from just looking at that pic, he thought he was so cool that day. I know he was like, yeah, I look good. I'm taking a pic. I feel like I look great today. Get Someone snap a pic of me. Come yeah. on, Diana. Honestly, yeah, that was one of my first dates with my girlfriend. And you know you're yeah. like, oh, this like is a nice years pic. Ago. Yeah. I just mess with him, though. It is a great pic. He looks great. So I got to update my picture there. But you'll see me or Nick. No matter what, join that room, click the microphone button. Just hit that button. Click mic. Boom. Guess what it does? It requests for you to be a speaker, and then we can get you in. And it's just like a radio show. Basically what these locker rooms are every Tuesday at 8 p.m., they're simply like radio shows. It's almost like we get to be WFAN fan hosts, which is really pretty cool. You guys get to call in, and then we chop it up with you. So head over, follow us on Instagram. Don't worry about that train that's going off in the background. NY Big Blue Banter on Instagram. Locker room live shows every Tuesday at 8 p.m. And then finally, leave us that rating review on iTunes. Have a great rest of your week, but we will talk to you soon, probably before that.